0: You are listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson, exploring biblical prophecy for yesterday,
1: today, and tomorrow. Welcome back to Prophet Pearls, face-to-face, whatever it takes. This is Keith Johnson, along with Nehemia Gordon, at the safe house in Jerusalem, not far from the Knesset, not far from Netanyahu's house. I don't know what happened, Nehemia. We're actually having to record this in advance, but Netanyahu was on his way to go and speak before the Congress of the United States. Uh, Purim is taking place last week. I don't know if all that happened, but I tell you, it is exciting to be in Jerusalem during these times. Would you agree? amen. Yeah, it really is uh, exciting and a little scary. Yeah, it is. It, I should say that. Yeah, it is. It is a little scary. But you know, when I think about um, something that we talked about in the last week, we talked about uh, the name Israel. We didn't talk about it in in, in detail. But the phrase itself uh, that was referred back to Jacob and being called Israel, you know, there's going to be contention with man and with God, and uh, they're, going to, they're going to prevail. So I'm believing that. you, mm-hmm. you still with me on that? Uh, <laughs> We're actually going to be doing two sections of him. You've got to explain this. This kind of stuff just really
0: frustrates me. I mean, you've got two sections. <laughs> all right. So can so you explain all, what's happening? I just want to remind people this whole idea of reading a section, even of the Torah, every week. In the synagogue, that's tradition. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are actually different traditions. Mm -hmm. There's one tradition, which is the more common one today, which reads the Torah over the course of a year Mm -hmm. and the less common one, which may actually be more ancient, which is that they read the Torah over the course of three and a half years, which meant twice every seven years, meaning twice every sabbatical cycle, they read the Torah. Um, we really, for the purposes of, of this program, we decided we're going to read the the portions or, or discuss the portions based on this annual cycle, mm-hmm. just because it's very widespread. And the idea was that, you know, somebody somewhere uh, wants to, you know, go and look at some study. And this is very common in the Jewish world. They'll, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll say, OK, this week's Torah portion is, you know, Vayakhel. Let me go see what people are saying on Vayakhel. And they'll go to various websites and various resources. And, and it'll include our stuff. Our right, stuff will be. Shown. Oh, and, and we've had people who, you know, who mm-hmm. have no connection to anything that we're doing whatsoever, who just, you know, they're Jews. And just you know, out of the blue, they Google it and they say, "Oh, Vayakhel." Oh, what? A Christian and a Karite and you know, a Methodist and a Karite are doing this. Uh, what? I want to hear what these guys have to say. And some of them like it, and some of them don't. Um, but basically, where it gets a little confusing is you would think if there's 52 weeks in the year that we should have 52 portions, right? Right. right. Except in the Hebrew year, there aren't 52 weeks. Uh, <laughs> and, and so there's actually 54 portions. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason that, um, there's 54 portions is that in the Hebrew leap year, you don't have an extra day like you do in the English leap year and the, in the Gregorian leap year in the Hebrew leap year, you have an extra month mm-hmm. and the extra month is four to five extra sections. And so what they did is they broke up the tour into, into 54 sections and they had some sections that could, that are. Combined in some years and and broken apart in other years based on whether it's a leap year or not and based on other factors. Um, For example, if there's a a holiday that falls out on Shabbat, then you read a special section for that holiday. Well, now you've just lost an opportunity to read a section from the the regular Torah cycle. So then two sections would be combined and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Um, It gets complicated that way. But basically, there's 54 sections. And this year, For example, in synagogues around the world, on March 14th, 2015, they will be reading a double. There will be a double header. It's It's a double header. -header. Don't you have that like in in football where you have (laughs) double header? That's baseball. Oh, it's a baseball. (laughs) That's right. So in baseball, you buy one ticket and you go to the ballpark. You go to you know Comiskey Park or or, you know Wrigley Field, and you see two baseball games. So what what's going to happen on March 14th, 2015 is there'll be a double header. People come to the synagogue on Shabbat. Synagogues around the world, and they'll hear two Torah portions, one after the other, um, VaYakel and Pekudeh. and so they're actually combined this year, and hence the prophet portions are also combined in this instance. So the first portion, or really the prophet portions, is one of uh, for this week, is one Kings chapter seven, mm-hmm. verse forty through eight, chap verse twenty one. Now in some years it's seven. Verses 40 to 50, the first week. And then the second week, with the second portion, it's uh, 1 Kings seven fifty one through eight twenty one. Meaning they, they take it and they just break it apart into two. We're going to do it as one, first of all, because we're here for a short time in Jerusalem. And secondly, because on March 14th, they're doing it together. And that means, folks, this is a doubleheader for you. You're going to get a twofer. <laughs> this is a twofer, a <laughs> doubleheader. So let's get
1: right into it, Nehemia. Um, we're going to be uh, talking in uh, 1 Kings chapter 7, uh, verse 40. And this is one of these situations where, you know, I, I, I say this a lot, um, it, it's sometimes hard if you don't get context, but of course the way the the, the way the game works, yeah. I use the word carefully, the game is that there are certain sections that were selected where they didn't give context before right. or after. So we're going to have, so yeah. we'll have
0: people to check well, for just, themselves. Just basically. to be clear, we didn't choose these sections, what we're yeah. doing is we're reading the traditional prophets' portions. And the prophets' portions is even more complicated. So in the Torah portion, you can read it over three and a half years or one year, but you're reading the same section mm-hmm. just over, over a different period of time. Uh, or you're reading the same, ultimately you're reading you know the five books of Moses for the Torah portions. For the prophet portions, They're actually, even for those who read it over the course of a year, there are different traditions between Ashkenazim and Spardim and Italian Jews and Yemenite Jews. There's different Jewish communities that have different sections that they read. We just decided to use the most common one, which is the Ashkenazic one. They're the largest group in the Jewish world. Um, but there's other sections that people. And when in. I don't like it, we'll use the Methodist tradition. So here we go. Is there a Methodist <laughs> <tradition> <laughs> reading with <laughs> profit portions? Yeah, right? No. No. Okay. I will say
1: this, folks. Do if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to the original Torah portions, Nehemia, you did something really cool last week. You talked about yeah. um, the the motorcycle video we did, which was yeah. I, I know we, if you didn't see that, folks, you, you you didn't miss it. It's still available. But um, you know, we did the Torah portions. Mm-hmm. Uh, now three years ago was it, or was three? it four years? Or was it four ago? years I ago? I think it was four years ago. Yeah, we did that, and um, and and that that stand still stands to this day. People are listening to that that those Torah portions were just uh, it was phenomenal. Sometimes we spent as much as as long as two plus hours recording. We try not to do that, obviously with the with the profit portions. But I think it's really cool that 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 work stands. What we did. With the Torah Pearls, yeah, it stands; it's there. People can want, listen to it, and I actually encourage people to go to Nehemiah's Wall dot com, International dot com, and listen to the prophet portions, uh, the prophet pearls, but also to go ahead and listen to the Torah pearls and the portions. original Torah pearls. Yeah, you say the original
0: Torah pearls as if uh, you know. Well, there's something out there which people are calling Torah pearls, which really isn't according to the same spirit of what we did three or four years ago. It's it's with a different cast. And look, can I tell you what I call it? Can I tell the people? Pl- I call them the imposter pearls. (laughs) But (laughs) but there's the real, authentic, original Torah pearls that you can go to BFAInternational.com and uh, NehemisWall.com and listen to.
1: Okay, awesome. Well, I'll tell you something. Sometimes I think that you're so politically correct, and then other times you just leave the farm completely. (laughs)
0: Look, and and, and I'll, I'll tell you what I told the actual people who are doing that program. I said to them, I think it's great that you're discussing the Word of God if only all of God's people would discuss his word, but don't pretend to be something you're not. Don't call it by the name that represents something completely different. Huh. Choose a different name and call it that, but don't try to misrepresent yourself as Keith and Chemia. Okay. I'm, well, I actually appreciate that. You know, the yeah. one of the things I do think— I think it's great. Everybody should we, talk we, about um, God's word. We,
1: yeah, I think everyone really should. And I think what's really really been powerful in Chemia is that we really have gotten a chance to reach— so many different people I, I'm just shocked I'm still surprised at the diversity of people that listen to um, not only Torah Pearls the original yeah. Torah Pearls program but that are now listening to Prophet Pearls and yeah. I have to throw a shout out to our sponsors uh, we call them the Maccabees they're actually sponsoring both of these sections wow. and so we appreciate them Maccabees those are out there we really appreciate what you've done uh, again we want to encourage people to leave comments uh, at both uh, sites bfainternational.com and Nehemia Wall, com. Um, because people are interacting with this information and really your perspective can be a real blessing to others So please um, make sure that you make some leave some comments. Let's get right into this Nehemiah There are some yeah. real we're gonna try not to read verse by verse. We talked about this now that we're here face to face Let's have some fun. Um There's gonna be some times where we can, you know Obviously go verse by verse but other times we're talking about a concept and 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 in this in this section This is kind of exciting to me Um We start out with uh, verse verse 40 it says now Hiram, and of course when I hear that word, I simply want to know who that person is. Uh, we can you can do the research on who he is and and what he did and, and his skills, set, but it says he made the basins and the shovels and the bowls. So Hiram finished doing all the work which he had performed for King Solomon, and then it says, whoa, it, whoa, wait, whoa. Let me,
0: "Are you done with the verse? No, it's oh, just oh, oh.
1: no, 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 for King Solomon in the house of the Lord. It's Beit Yehovah here uh, is what I see in the Hebrew, but. Um, this this has to do with the house. As we're talking about we talked about it before, the place where he caused his name to dwell. Um, this place is a physical place. It's a place that we actually can walk to if we had the time and we weren't uh, recording all day, every day. Could we walk then? No no I uh, listen and let me Let's just talk say something about that? I want to talk about that because <laughs> exactly. I wanna get there. <laughs> right. Folks, I gotta yeah. tell you something. He's got me in this safe house. Uh, there's nothing in the refrigerator. Uh, he locked the door on me. Uh, I've been here for about twenty hours or so. I have got to get out, in Nehemia. I got to get to the place where he caused his name to dwell. I mean, that's we, we can we can go over there. We is it safe? Are you allowed to legally? Absolutely, you can go there.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. In fact, uh, there's more we can talk about when we get into this. But we're talking about this place, the house, the Beit Yehovah. Can you yeah. do me a favor, just traditionally? Yeah. What w- what would be the traditional
0: Jewish uh, title for that place? Beta Migdash. Okay, tell the us house what that is. Of the sanctuary, the house of the sanctuary. In fact, that was such a common phrase that I'll be—I'll be honest with you. When I, when, you know, there was a time in my life where I, you know, I, early on I studied uh, scripture in a certain way. We would read a verse, read the rabbinical commentary. Read a verse, read the rabbinical commentary, and I was told never read a, a verses of scripture without the running rabbinical commentary. And at a certain point in my life, I said, "It's time to." cast off the crutches mm-hmm. and walk you know tear off the training wheels and actually read it for myself without the commentary see what it actually says and i and one of the things that really shocked me is that the phrase beta migdash does not appear in the tanakh i couldn't believe it because it was a word that i heard from really probably when i was first able to speak it was a word that you know of course in my pronunciation back in tell us why in What's america we call the, the Beit migdash or the beta migdash in israeli pronunciation mm-hmm. is the it's funny. There was a time when I didn't even know how to translate it into English. If if I if I had met you when I was, you know, I don't know, 10 years old, and, and I said, Beis Hamikdash and you said, what's that? And, you know, what is that in English? And I'd say, well, what do you mean? That is English. That what do you mean is English. That's what it's called. There is no word for it in English. Yeah. And now I know, you know, it's called the Holy Temple in Jerusalem, or, you know, because I've read that in books. But, um you know, it, it's really a part of everyday speech in in in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the Jewish experience, mm-hmm. and the Beis Migdash or Beis Hamikdash and... and um, and uh, you know, but the phrase actually doesn't appear in the in the scripture in the Tanakh. It appears as Beit Yehovah or Beit, you know, Beit Elohim, or mm-hmm. the house of Yehovah or the house of God.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, um, that's what we're talking about, and and I have to tell you that is it is it is central. Um, well, it's central in a, in a number in a number of ways. It, it says here, um, he says it says uh, which he performed for King Solomon in the house of the Beit Yehovah is what it says mm-hmm. here. The two pillars and the two bowls of the capitals, which were on the top of the two pillars, and the two networks to cover the two bowls of the capitals, which were on top of the pillars. And it goes on yeah. to talk about these pillars and to talk about the specific aspects of this. And I will say there's there's sort of this idea, Nehemiah that you can get the big picture and then you can get the 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 the, the, the real detail. Yeah. And and there are some things that, um, that in this section that I have to be honest are going to be hard for me not to just uh, want to spend all the time on. But, but it's a, it's a, it's a big section. So we're going to try to get the big picture. But one thing I want to make sure that people understand is that, um, this, this house, um, is significant not only in Jewish tradition, it's significant in biblical understanding of what this is. This house, the Beit Yehovah, yeah. um, it's, it's, yeah. it's, uh, how can I say it? I mean, it's a central, it's a central concept. It's a central theme. Throughout what Yehovah was doing and what He's not only for the,
0: the then today, but also for tomorrow. And, and just to clarify, by the way, in two Chronicles thirty six seventeen, mm-hmm. it has the phrase Beit Mikdasham, mm-hmm. um, the house of their temple, um, referring to the temple in Jerusalem. And that actually is Beit Mikdash. Uh, it's, it's a variant of it, mm-hmm. meaning the actual phrase Beit Mikdash doesn't appear. Beit Mikdasham does. It's interesting because do you know what Jerusalem is called by the Arabs today? Uh-huh. What's it called? The Arabic name for Jerusalem is Al-Quds. Al-Quds. And, and if you look in the early Arab sources from you know 1,300 years ago or so, they don't call it Al-Quds. They call it Beit al-Muqadis, mm-hmm. which is just the Arabic Beit HaMikdash. Mm-hmm. Is that interesting?
1: Do you know what the terrorist you know group that uses that word, the phrase, the
0: Beit? Uh, no, you, you, I actually you, you don't. You do. They're in, the, they're in the Sinai. I don't know. You do more. know. The- Remind me. Ah! There's a terrorist group who calls themselves Beit HaMikdash.
1: No, no, they use a variant of that, of that actual phrase. Oh, the Al-Quds uh, No, no, Brigade. no, of the,
0: the, the Mikdash. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, you did. We talked about it. Or maybe I did. I well, don't, well, I don't well, remember. There's so many terrorist groups who can keep track of them <laughs> all. Um, <laughs> but the point is that, that, you know, the irony here is that you'll have Muslims who will come along and say, oh, no, the Jews never had a temple in Jerusalem. Exactly. Hey, guys, what's the Arabic name for Jerusalem in the early sources? Beit al-Muqadis? What do you think that is? It's Beit al Like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? Well, that's why I, um, I wish I had off the top of my head that the name
1: of this group that's in the Sinai. But they use the variant in the Arabic really? word for the word for Maqdis. Should we Google it? Yeah, you, while you look for that, the, the yeah. terrorist group that's in the, the Sinai that uses the word, um,
0: Maktis. While, while you're doing that, can I read? Sure. Uh, uh, it says here. Oh, Ansar Beit al Maktis. Ah, oh. Maktis. Do you see what I'm saying? It's um, to. My Arabic isn't good enough to say if al well, Maktis is the same as Al It is. What I are you talking is, about? Then. I checked in the background on this. Okay, said, I'm not an
1: Arabic <laughs> expert, but. <laughs> Neither am <yeah>. I. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but it says here, it says, and
0: it's talking about the pales, the chocolate. Oh, yeah, and, and it, it says here in, you know, in Wikipedia, for <laughs> what that's worth. It says Ansar Beit Al-Maqdis or Ansar Jerusalem. Exactly. I mean, they they actually say Beit Al-Maqdis or al Mukaddis. And what's so funny,
1: and when I use this word carefully when I say it's funny,
0: is that, uh, you know, you have,
1: I was in, uh, last year I was in uh, Israel with a Madrik, a a tour guide. and Uh, he uh, They called called it the Malik. And uh, anyway, so he's a tour guide. And we were talking, we were walking down in the old city of Jerusalem, and he was talking about uh, he's used the word Beit Hamikdash, yeah. And there's a, a, a an Arab man who walked out and came out and he yelled at him, and he said, "You will not call it that. You will call it uh, the um, Haram al Sharif." Haram al Sharif.
0: That's a Temple Mount.
1: And they, yeah, the Temple Mountain, they had an argument back and forth. And this guy was the guy that actually told me this. He said to the Arab guys, he says, "Tell me the name of what it was called before you ever called it <laughs> that." And okay. the guy had no clue, and he, he really didn't it. know. He didn't wow. know, and he ran him down the list. Oh, interesting! And it was a, from a historical standpoint. And what I appreciated about it is that there's this this this, this tension, Ramya. Mm-hmm. When you're on the Temple Mount, the, I actually did an interview with uh, one of the one of the the head honchos of the uh, of the uh, uh, of the uh, Al Aqsa Mosque. Yeah. He actually met with the Pope. I saw him. He was walking across them. I walked up to the guy. I got my camera on, and I said. Weren't you the guy who met with the Pope and he stuck his chest out and his in <laughs> his security? No, listen, no, I'm film now. <laughs> No, listen, he stuck his chest out yeah. and the guy says, "Absolutely, he's the he's uh, one of the what do they call the the, the big sheikh uh, who, 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 who? There were two of them that met with the Pope. Yeah, I don't him know anything about this. But no, you, no <laughs> that, what do you mean you don't know? I don't you know what you're <laughs> talking so <laughs> about. So I go up to the guy, it's it's not gets not my camera, Benedict or Pope Benedict Pope? Yeah, uh, Pope Benedict went up uh, there and they went to that there. But the whole point is to is to is to remove the history of yeah. This place This is right, going to make right. Significance So there are Different organizations News organizations uh, Even the Catholic Church mm-hmm. Decided not to call it You know The Temple Mount Really? Oh heck no Oh seriously They, they, use, they use the, the phrase uh, the, uh, the Noble Sanctuary Is what they used mm-hmm. To discuss about it But anyway So I go up to him And I say Aren't you The One of the head honchos For the Temple Mount And the guy Goes nuts The security guy He says it is not called the Temple Mount. You will take that off the tape. It is called Al Aqsa. And and, and, and and I've got this on film. Okay. And, I'm, and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. You, it's not called... What, so
0: <laughs> so you're, you're playing the guy.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not playing him. I didn't realize that. Oh, you didn't know it was him.
0: sensitive. Okay. Oh,
1: much of a button okay. I pushed. Because I was trying to get it to engage him mm-hmm. about what that place was. But again, back to the history of this place and the significance of it. Historically, grammatically... Um, all of that and how the, the, mm-hmm. there's an attempt to remove that history present day when you go on the Temple Mount I mean to the point that they won't even mention oh the to the temple. point where
0: when they dig like um <laughs> uh, you know like a, a trench for like to put in pipes and things like yeah. that and they actually come across remnants of the temple mm-hmm. that's happened absolutely and it's been photographed they will within minutes come in with drills and drill down those remaining stones into powder mm-hmm. um, and there's been a, and they do this all the time there's been a few instances where it's been caught on film and, and uh, or at least on mm-hmm. photographs mm-hmm. where they actually found some of the foundations of the temple on the temple mount and they came as quickly as they couldn't destroy they want nothing to be left
1: yeah absolutely
0: well can, can i make a are we can no, I, please go okay ahead. so so i think it's this is interesting um, first of all, there's a, p- a parallel for this passage that people can look at, which mm-hmm. is uh, 2 Chronicles, chapter 5. Yep. And it's always good when you're reading Kings uh, to look at the parallels in, in Chronicles. Um, we don't have time to go into all of that. But here within the verse, in verse 40 uh, that we're reading here, um, y- you read the word the name Hiram twice. Mm-hmm. Or uh, Well, what's the Hebrew for Hiram? Do you know? It says this. This is it here. Hiram. And the other time?
1: Uh, the second time it is. Let me find here.
0: Let's see. Uh, hi. So one time it's mm-hmm. Hirom and one time it's Hiram. Mm-hmm. One time it's O and the other it's Ah. Hiram mm-hmm. and Hirom. Mm-hmm. And it's clearly referring to the same person. So why that variant? And it's a very interesting variant on the guy. I mean, there's two forms of the guy's name. In, within if, if, two or three words. <laughs> or, well, or within about five words. But yeah. imagine if if sometimes I called you Keith and sometimes I called you, you know, Yeah. I don't know, yeah, right? Whatever. Um, and look, I go through that. My name is Nehemia, and sometimes people call me Nehemiah and Nehemia, and all right, it is what it is. So Hiram or Chiram, uh, he has that name. But it's interesting that one time it's an O and one time it's an A. Ah. Now here I've got to tell people that um, Hebrew's gone through some changes over time, and and some of these, you know, are really aren't disputed. And one of the ones that's not disputed is that the the sound uh, for A. Ah, There's two different vowels for ah. One's called a kamatz, Mm -hmm. and another's called a patach. The patach hasn't really changed, as far as we know. Mm -hmm. It always was like the A in father. always was ah. Mm -hmm. But the kamatz in some dialects of Hebrew today retains its original sound, which in some instances is an O. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and originally, it probably they say was something like an aw. It was oh. something between a ah and o, oh, which is aw. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting. And and this has to do with kamatz katan and kamatz uh, uh, gadol. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into that. People don't know what that is. Um, but but um, just for those who know Hebrew, you have the Hebrew word rosh, which is head. Mm-hmm. But then the plural of rosh is rache. Mm-hmm. So where'd you get that a? Ah if it's o, oh? and that's because the kamatz is actually related to the to the cholam to the mm-hmm. o. Oh. And um, what all that means is the original Hebrew. Uh, as far as we know, the uh, this sound kamatz probably was something like aw, mm-hmm. like the a in saw or aw, um, like awe of God. Um, and so, what that means is the name Yehovah in the original language was probably something like Yehovah. Mm-hmm. Um, it may have been an aw sound, um, and in one dialect of Hebrew, it may have even been Yehovah, mm-hmm. Yehovah, mm-hmm. Um, and. and and I'm, you know I talked about the i 've talked in the last in the in the past about the vowels in the Aleppo codex and the leningrad codex. Those tell us what the vowels are they don't necessarily tell us how to pronounce those vowels mm-hmm. in other words um based on the very same vowels I found uh in some dialects of Hebrew, Yehovah would be pronounced Yehovah mm-hmm. and that's a hundred percent legitimate it's like the difference between you know American English and british english mm-hmm. um you know and and look, there's people who speak you know English different than the way we speak it, mm-hmm. and it you know the people around them understand them perfectly and even today we can understand them um and you know I think that's interesting, so that's actually what's going on here in the verse that so we have Hiram and Hiram um it's they're, funny they're so they' so funny I mean, the way you just got through saying it, so
1: like when I'm reading it so so I don't see so so both times in English it's Hiram, okay, mm-hmm. so this one which says here. Hiram, okay. There's the race right there, and uh-huh. and when you when you pronounce this, you didn't pronounce it with any. You pronounced it with a race. No,
0: I, uh, we, we're understand? down here. Okay, Hiram. Yeah.
1: Okay, well that's good. okay. That's why. Yeah. Okay, let's move on.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yes. <clears throat>
1: All right. Okay. So it says here uh, the two pillars. The two, okay, we're talking about that in the verse verse forty two. The four hundred pomegranates for the two networks. The two rows of pomegranates for each network to cover the two bowls.
0: Yada, yada, yada. Yada, 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 yada. <laughs> <laughs> We can't read every verse. Can we skipped okay. verse
1: 47. You want to go to 47? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. All right, no, read it. Go ahead. Solomon so, left all the utensils because
0: they were too many. The weight of the bronze could not be ascertained. Right. And that's interesting that yours has bronze. Um, the Hebrew word is nechoshet, mm. which I, I would, by you know, all things being equal, I would translate as copper. Mm-hmm. But you're probably right. Because bronze is simply, I think it's ninety percent copper, ten percent tin, mm-hmm. and they add in that tin to to make the copper harder. Otherwise, mm-hmm. copper is very flexible. But basically, it's copper with some tin added in. Um, so, yeah, I think that's interesting. There, you know, so it's giving us the amount of gold there is, and etc. And these different materials, mm-hmm. but there's so much, so much bronze or copper that we can't even measure it. I think that's interesting, and it says uh-huh. it was not investigated is literally what it says and it reminds me of you know the description of Jehovah. it says there is no uh, investigation of his greatness where is that verse where is that verse that, that is in, um <laughs> uh let's see it's um well, so here uh was a few verses actually, so the one I was thinking of is psalm one forty five verse three which it says, Great is Yehovah and very uh, and, and wonderfully, uh, or very much praised, and to his greatness there is no investigation. And mm. let's see what you have in your English. I don't know how it's translated. Um, um, it says, And great to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Mm. And really, the image there is look, we could try to make a tally of how great he is, mm. but it's beyond human computation. Mm-hmm. And, and so what they're saying here is there's so much copper, we can't even keep track of it all. Mm-hmm. And that's the point of Yehovah. It's beyond our, our ability to even comprehend and to calculate how amazing he is, how totally mm-hmm. awesome and wonderful and, and great and powerful.
1: So we were, we were as we were getting ready to we were going through this. You were just mm-hmm. talking about those these first ten verses. So when you yeah. when you're reading through these verses, you said yada yada yada. Why do you say yada yada yada? <laughs> I'm just a little confused here. What do what do you mean yada yada yada? This this, this, this is not the word of God, no.
0: No, it is the word of God, absolutely. Okay. Well, I want to bring something. But look, we've got 33 verses. We can't spend if we spend 10 minutes on each one of the Can 33 least... verses. That's a five hour program. <laughs> we're not going to be able to do it. And I'm only going to get 15 minutes of those.
1: <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Listen, I do want. I want to bring something up yeah. in these first ten okay. verses. Just and this is really something that's sure. been something I've thought about, and it has to do with um, you know. Oftentimes we hear Solomon. Solomon was the one who who, who, um, who built this uh, this amazing place. Right. Right. Um, but then there's a there's, there's a simple little statement um, that I want to stop at, and I want you to check something on your sure. computer if you could. Absolutely. In verse 51, can I go to 51? Sure. It says, "Thus
0: all the work that kings... That's past my yada yada yada." Though. No, just is sure. it past your yada yada yeah. yada?
1: Okay, wait, wait.
0: The yada 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 was this list of they made this and they made that and there were ten of these and there was one of those and when does I, your yada yada stop? I just jumped to verse 47, so now we're we we got through verse 47. Okay, he left all. Okay, so then, so so. Enough. So there's a lot of interesting things here. they are casting things, and, and the and the thickness of the ground, and the we could talk about every one of these things. For, I could talk about them for. <laughs> Hours. <laughs> well, we, we are. Yeah. We, I do think it's really interesting because we're getting
1: into the details of the lampstands. Yeah, uh, five on the right and five on the left in front of the intersection.
0: That's this week's image that we had yeah. made by uh, yeah. Lane Forrest. Absolutely, is, uh, a young want artist. To make sure they see that. That's yeah. pretty amazing. beautiful. So you
1: know, she just so she reads it and then she 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 draws. Is that yeah?
0: Is that the idea? Yeah. Wow. Pretty How old cool. is she? Um, you got me on the spot
1: here. She's young. Okay. Well, anyways, it's talking about the cups and the snuffers of the bowls and the spoons, the fire palms, the pure gold, etc. And and then it says, and the hinges, both of the doors of the inner house, the most holy place. Now, when you hear that, the most holy place. Um, yeah. uh, uh, in, in English, it's what we call holy of holies. It calls the holy of holies. Okay. And for the doors of the house, that is, um, it says the nave of gold. Uh, Thus, all the work the King Solomon, here's the verse I really wanted to talk about for a second. Yeah. So oftentimes, when I read about this, you hear about Solomon building the temple. Solomon building the temple. Solomon building the temple. Then there's this little phrase that says, "And Solomon brought in the things dedicated by his father David." What verse,
0: human? Fifty-one. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, the yeah. silver and the gold and the utensils. And and one of the things that I wanted to have us check um, was this idea of David being given a pattern for. What the temple was? I mean, it's something that It I, wasn't
0: just a pattern. So, it, it, so, so the issue with David is he wanted to build the temple, and I think we we, we wanted to we, get to this. We yep, didn't have time. We didn't have time. But so, basically, David had spilled blood. He, you mm-hmm. know, he killed, even though he killed justifiably mm-hmm. in some, you know, in many instances. But because he had spilled all this blood, God said, "Look, you're not going to be the one to build it." It's it, and this go, went back to this idea of, you know, of um of making the 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 altar of unhewn stones so that metal doesn't touch it. Mm-hmm. And then when and Solomon built his temple, and this is when we were getting cut off, I think, so we didn't get to it. Um, you know, it says he he uh, there was no stone, no sword, it says, that was heard in the sanctuary. And the idea is that the temple is a temple of peace, mm-hmm. and, and and it can't be involved in death and destruction. You know, our faith of Israel is a is a faith of life, not a faith of death, mm-hmm. death we don't glorify death um the way some faiths do who you know who say that they love death more than we love life it's true mm-hmm. we do we love life and so when you know when david wanted to build the temple god said it's not going to be you maybe it can be your son but you you've spilled too much blood mm-hmm. to build my temple and so God allowed David to then prepare some of the things for the temple, mm-hmm. and that's what David ended up doing. Is he prepared some of the rituals and some of the services? And, and you know, a lot of this is talked about in more details in Chronicles and in Kings. It's just kind of glossed over, like yeah, that mm-hmm. happened, or in, you know, in Samuel mm-hmm. and Kings, mm-hmm. but. Um, yeah, so he prepared a bunch of the stuff for the temple. Mm-hmm. What you got there? So, the,
1: and, and actually, what I was, what I was when looking at, First Chronicles twenty-eight. If you can do me a favor, would you look at this real quick? First Chronicles. 28. I'm in a little bit of a struggle because <clears throat> my suitcase didn't make it, folks. D- and in my suitcase, I have a, a folder, and I have my other Bible, and I have some other things, including my a charger for my computer. Hutt, so hutt. I'm limited on what I can do. Nehemiah is going to have to help me here. What do you uh, got? First Chronicles twenty-eight, eleven through twelve, and eighteen, nineteen. What is this thing 18, that 19? David actually did, did see?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. <clears throat> um, so we got here, I'll, I'll read you the JPS. It says, uh, David gave his son Solomon the plan of the porch and its houses, its storerooms, and its upper chambers and inner chambers, and of the place of the ark cover, and the plan of all that he had by the Spirit, of the courts of the house of Yehovah, mm-hmm. so we, can we talk about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They had by the spirit. Yeah, come on, <laughs> wait—that that, that's only from the New Testament where people oh, yeah. get things by the spirit, right? Yeah, come on, C- can Jews also have the spirit? <laughs> I guess they can. Um, we uh, what he had by the spirit of the courts of the house of Yehovah and all its surrounding chambers and the, of the treasuries and the house of God of the treasuries of the holy things, etc. You, you want me to keep reading? Um, the idea is that David David yeah. was 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 getting this pattern. He was getting right. this.
1: This this by the spirit. So again, what yeah. I wanted to what I wanted to um, do uh, for me that was important was to step back and say, okay. So initially, though you say that, as as you mentioned, David wasn't given the ability to actually um, pre- to actually build it, but he did do preparation. He prepared the materials. He prepared, he prepared materials, some of the there rituals. There was a pattern. It right. was this this that given right. by the spirit, which I I don't know that kind of uh that that kind of um as we go later, uh, it, it becomes significant because Solomon isn't just. Pulling this out of the air, also though he asked for wisdom, he also had his father's um, the work that was given to him by the spirit that was all yeah. then transferred to Solomon. So it's not often something that you hear about when you're um, when you're hearing about the about the temple being built. Yeah. All right. Okay. So now let's get to the. Uh, so can
0: we move on now? Sure. So we could now. And by the way, so starting in in uh, the next chapter, which is chapter eight, verse one. Now we're going to jump for the parallel to 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verses 1-11. through 11. Got you. So can you do this? Yeah. When you're looking at the, the parallel,
1: you said you've got the sec- uh, 2 Chronicles 6.
0: Uh, I mean, that's, I, could, I could open that up if you want. Yes. But can we first look at the actual yes, verse? Yes, absolutely. And then we can talk about the parallel. Yes, 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 yes.
1: <laughs> okay. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the yeah. heads of the tribes, the leaders of the fathers, households of the sons of Israel, to King Solomon in Jerusalem, to bring up the ark of the covenant of Jehovah from the city of David which is Zion. So they're gonna bring up mm-hmm. the Ark of the Covenant of Jehovah. Now, I, I, you know, this is one of these deals, in Nehemiah where you're gonna to have to just keep me on track because I think it's just, I just, you know, it's it's hard for me to hear that phrase and not go historically about the significance of the Ark and its travels and getting to where it is and where David had it and when now, this is gonna be the thing that, that that's, that's sitting down here, ready. The house is now ready. And what is the house ready for? The house is ready. For the, for the ark. And why yeah. the ark?
0: Why the ark, Nehemia? What,
1: what, what is this? It's just a box. Why the ark? The house for the ark?
0: I, I don't understand the question.
1: You do understand the question. What's the significance of it being the ark? I mean, what, what, what is so, that? So it's a box, Nehemia?
0: It's not just a box. I mean, the ark is, is, you know... So, I mean, basically the image we have in the Tanakh is the ark is sort of like the chariot of Yehovah. Meaning, you know, it has the cherubs and, and his voice is heard from between the cherubs mm-hmm. and he sits on it. That's, you know, he's called Yoshev HaKruvim, mm-hmm. he who sits upon the cherubs, that, which mm-hmm. is the cherubs that cover the ark. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's there's this image of the ark as the chariot or even the footstool of Yehovah. Mm-hmm. And that's actually an interesting verse um, in in Jeremiah. I don't think that's one of our portions, is it? So, so let's Mm-mm. bring it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you know, there's this image about you know the ark being the footstool of Yehovah, mm-hmm. and um, and then Jeremiah I think goes on to that. And I've got to find that verse, but. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. Let's pretend I know where this is. And mm-hmm. give while me you're, a looking, while yeah, you're looking, you there? Well, I'm setting you up. So the reason I yeah. was talking about this is... So was Jeremiah 3.16. About yep. And when you increase and are fertile in the land in those days, declares Jehovah, men shall no longer speak of the Ark of the Covenant of Jehovah, nor shall it come to mind. They shall not mention it or miss it or make another. And, you know, a lot of people stop there and they say, oh, the Ark won't be important anymore. But the, the next verse is really important. It says, at it? that time, they shall call Jerusalem... Throne of Yehovah. Mm. Okay, let's see what that is. Hebrew, Kisei Yehovah. The chair, Mm. the throne of Yehovah. So not footstool, sorry. Um, And then it says, uh, And all the nations will be gathered to it. To the name of Yehovah to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And they will no longer go... After the the uh, rebelliousness of their evil heart mm-hmm. so I, I love this because this is one of these prophecies that's a prophecy about the nations coming and you know and embracing the God of Israel Amen. and um, and it's connected here to the ark Amen. you know and there's people to this day who're saying you know like we even had the movie the you know Indiana Jones mm-hmm. he's looking for the Ark of the Covenant mm-hmm. because we've got to have that Ark of the Covenant no <laughs> mm-hmm. we're told there'll be a time in the future in this end times scenario mm-hmm. that we won't be looking for the ark because the ark will be this chariot this chair this throne mm-hmm. it won't be the ark anymore it'll be all of Jerusalem mm-hmm. will be the ark and it's it do you know how how amazing this is that we are sitting here in Jerusalem and in this city in the very place where he placed his name forever and we 're mm. talking about this mm. at a time when the ark is no longer really remembered by people mm. and, and 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 it's no longer about the ark and then we're starting to see the beginning of this prophecy being fulfilled. Mm. you sitting here next to me is a is, is, is a partial fulfillment of this prophecy, all the nations gathering on, and uh, to the name of Jehovah to the name of Jehovah to Jerusalem and what's the significance of that? We've got the ark, which is called by the name. Amen. You've got a whole teaching about that in the Second Open Door Samuel, series. chapter
1: 6, verse 2. Second Samuel chapter 6, verse 2. Go ahead. Where is that? It's in 1 Samuel. 2 Samuel,
0: chapter two. So in 2 Samuel 6.2, the ark which is called by the name. And here we have it saying, we won't even need the ark. They're Mm -hmm. going to come to the name of Jehovah in Jerusalem Mm -hmm. because the city of Jerusalem will be called by the name. Amen. And
1: you know, and I think that's why I think that's when I say the significance of the the ark itself, the ark being called by the name, the the house being built for the name. Yehovah calling the ark. In other words, referring to himself, obviously it is not him, but the idea yeah. that it is his name. And what does it represent? His word of God inside, his word of God outside. It's like, the, it's like this, it, it isn't something that we want to lose lose sight of the significance of it. God's word, Nehemiah, other than the creation, when he created the entire world, give me something else that God created that's in the earth. Something else other than he creating the, 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 the trees and the plants and the animals. Give me something that God created. I don't understand the question. sure you knew. Don't, ask, don't, ask, don't
0: answer. He spent six days creating the universe. He created what the is, entire universe. Yeah. Anything else that, that he created that after it. that? Yeah.
1: You know what else he did? He told Moses, listen, go up and put these two stones and I'm going to write on these two stones. Right. And then the second time, Moses, back after he broke them, and right. he says, and I'll write again. And yeah. aren't those two stones, the stones that he put in, in the that ark. place? And it's just like the yeah. place, it's like God's, not only God's And one name, of the first
0: two words of the Ten Commandments uh, oh. on the stones, Anochi Yehovah, I am Yehovah. Come on with that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, here I got a, and this is maybe a side thing, but okay. look, we're talking side about it. Thing. Yeah. We're talking about the temple, and we're talking about how um, the temple will Jerusalem, the place of the temple will still be important, but the ark won't be there. The, you know, Jerusalem will be called by the name. And, you know, it reminds me of, you know, uh, recently I did this teaching, um, you know, in my ministry, McCor Hebrew Foundation. And I, and I was talking about um, the, uh, the Samaritans and how in the time of uh, the Second Temple, Period. There was the whole issue of the Maccabee Wars, Mm -hmm. and they were being persecuted along with the Jews, and and they realized, look, look, we're not Jews, we're foreigners. Why are we going to be persecuted just because we keep the Sabbath? And they wrote to Antiochus, who was the the Greek king, the Seleucid Greek king, and they said, you know, we've got this temple over here in Mount Grisim in, in Shechem, and it's an anonymous temple. It's a temple which doesn't have a name. And 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 if you don't understand the Hebrew context and culture, they'd be like, what do you mean? The temple doesn't have a name. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Well, because the temple in Jerusalem was called Beit Yehovah, Beth. the house of Yehovah. Mm-hmm. The temple in Jerusalem had a name. The temple in Jerusalem was the place which is described in Scripture as the place where Yehovah caused his name to dwell, where Yehovah put his name forever. And the Samaritans are writing to Antiochus and saying, we have a temple that doesn't have a name, and here's an idea. You can give it a name. And they suggest that they that they'll that 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 temple be named after Jupiter, which is the the pagan deity, or Zeus in in the Greek. Um, it, to the Romans, it was Jupiter, um, and that's a whole different discussion. It gets really fascinating because mm-hmm. then later the people who say Yahweh or Yahweh, they um, actually tra- that traces back to a Samaritan source, mm-hmm. where we're told the Samaritans call upon God, God is mm-hmm. Yahweh, and we find out in about. 165 or 168 BCE, they're na- they're saying their temple is anonymon. It's an anonymous temple, and they want to have it. They want to give it a name, and the name they give it. Isn't the name Yehovah Yehvave, it's the name of a pagan deity. But that's Isn't that something? Yeah, Isn't that something. Pretty pretty interesting stuff. But the the name, the name for this temple and for this place and this city, this is a central concept, a central theme mm-hmm. in the Hebrew scriptures.
1: Amen. And again, the idea that Yehovah says this is he says, you have not built a house, build a house for me. Speaking for him, meaning for his representation of who he is,
0: that arc becoming the thing that's carrying his name, his word. Well, and and, and then going back to the temple, because that's what this whole passage is about, the very fact that that I grew up calling it Beit HaMikdash, Mm. the house of the sanctuary, and it used to be called biblically Beit Yehovah, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's something going on there. There's Mm -hmm. an agenda to stamp out his name, even from the place where he put his name forever to the it's called the House of Jehovah, Yeah. And, um, and so we in the Jewish world have now called it the House of, of the Sanctuary, mm-hmm. which is wonderful and beautiful, but we're missing part of the picture mm-hmm. where um, we've done is we've de-emphasized that name. Exactly. You know, and, and to the point where you'll talk to the average Jew and you'll talk, talk about how, you know, Jehovah's name and they'll say, well, what is, what is, why are you obsessed with this name? Mm-hmm. What does this name have to do with the temple? Mm-hmm. What do you mean what does it have to do with the temple? Yeah, the it's the it <laughs> well, He put his name there, there forever. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, going on, it says
1: that uh, all these folks came, all these men, all the assemblers, the leaders, they came. They assembled before the king. Uh, And then it says, and this is an interesting one. I want to throw this one to you. Uh, It says a different name of a a month. It says, ethanim, which is the seventh month. So, do you know how I, I know? I know there are other other examples where yeah. we get one name and then we also get the numerical there's three. Is there well, three there's,
0: there, there's, I should say, there's three for these, um, mm-hmm. this particular set of names, and then there's a bunch for the Babylonian names. Mm-hmm. In other words, um, in Judaism, what I grew up with is, we, we refer to the names as, of the months as Nisan, E-R-Sivan, Tammuz, mm-hmm. and, and when you get to Tammuz, you're like, wait a minute, Tammuz is the name of a pagan deity. And, and no one disputes, the rabbis say, the names of these months came mm-hmm. from Babylon. Yes, They came up from Babylon. Now, the pre-Babylonian names, are, uh, some people will say, are in, the, are, you know, in these passages in, in Kings. Here we have the month of Eitanim, it says, in the feast, which is the seventh month. Um, except Etanim never appears in the Torah as the name of a month. What you, if, when you look in the Torah, what you find is the names of the months are first month, second, second month, month, third or... month, etc. They're numbered, they're, they're given, you know, sequential numbers. And so the biblical, the Torah name for this month is HaChodesh HaShvi'i, the seventh month. So where does Etanim come from? Etanim is obviously a Hebrew word. Well, so we're dealing, and this is something other people have pointed out. So there's three month names, uh, Etanim, Bul, and Ziv, and those each have numbers that correspond to them. And um, and some people have said, oh, those are the original Hebrew names before Babylon. No, mm-hmm. not at all. Those are actually the Babylonian month names. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm sorry, I, I, let me correct that. Not the Babylonian. Those are actually the Canaanite month names. Canaanite months. names. Um, and how, why do I say that? Because they only appear in this passage where we're dealing with the Canaanites' Uh, you know, Hiram of Tyre was a Canaanite king in Sidon um, or sorry in Tyre <laughs> um, <laughs> Hiram of Tyre of Sidon <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm thinking of Jezebel which we spoke about an hour ago, people don't know that um, who was from Sidon um, so Hiram of Tyre <laughs> was from Sidon <laughs> I'm overtired and um, I'm overtired um, so Hiram of Tyre impressive <laughs> <laughs> Hiram was extremely tired <laughs> yes. oh my god all right. <laughs> no. what, what's yeah, hidden? but anyways, the, the yeah. Names. No, so 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 in this passage, and we've talked about this before, I think. Yep. In this passage, we have the only in this passage we have these three names: Etanim, Ziv, and Bul, and and we're told which is the seventh month, which is the eighth month. Yes. And and one of the explanations is, which makes a lot of sense to me, is that, um, is that is that. Whoever wrote this, the prophet or whoever, he was, you know, there were documents that described the different things that were made and the time frame it was done. And some of these documents were prepared by these Canaanite workmen. Um, and for example, we have another workman whose name is Hiram mm-hmm. himself, and he's from the tribe of Naphtali, but he grew up in Tyre. There's some kind of whole mm-hmm. thing there where he's, you know, kind of um, in both cultures. And so he was able to work in both cultures. And, but if he came from that Tyrian culture, um, which was Canaanite, then he would have brought these names with him. And so when they're, when they're telling us this in this holy prophetic history, they're taking the source, which says, in the month of Eitanim, and then they explain for the Hebrew reader, for the Israelite reader, which for you Israelites is the seventh month, because maybe the Israelites didn't know what Eitanim was. Exactly. And where it gets a little complicated or a little hairy is one of the months is called Bool, and Bool is the name of a Canaanite god. Mm-hmm. Uh. Okay. Can well, we talk about in the feast, Bechag? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's pretty cool. So, what's the Chag in the seventh month? The mm. feast. It's Sukkot. it's Sukkot. It's the feast of Sukkot, mm-hmm. and here it's just called plain the Chag the without Chag. saying which Chag. Like mm-hmm. it's just we don't even need to tell you which Chag. Yes, you know it'd be like if I if I said to you, you know, uh, we we were having a barbecue in that um, in, during the holiday in July. Yeah, I don't need to tell you it's you the Fourth just, of July. July? Or you know, what the... other holidays in July? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know? exactly. So so. Um, uh, it was it was you know a warm day in July and we were having the barbecue for the holiday. Uh, mm-hmm. oh, but which holiday? Obviously mm-hmm. the Fourth of July. So here the feast is um, the seventh month, and it's and remember in Hebrew when we hear the word chag, it's not just a feast. There's an implication there of pilgrimage. Feast. Pilgrimage feast. There's, chag is a pilgrimage feast, and that's significant because in the pilgrimage feast you make a pilgrimage to the temple. And now for the first time they're doing the pilgrimage not to the tabernacle, not just to the ark in the tent. To the actual temple, the house of Jehovah, and it's something you know. Three three phrases
1: there: mm-hmm. at the feast, one in the month of itanim, Ithan, mm-hmm. and in the seventh in the seventh month. So there's no. Confusion. Is that
0: what yours says in the seventh it says, month? It says which is the seventh. month. Oh, which is month. okay. Yep, you yep, got yep, the which is. Yep. yep. So. All
1: right. Then all the elders of Israel came, and the priests took up the ark. Mm-hmm. Um, they brought up the ark of Jehovah and the tenth of meeting and all the holy tinsels. Now, I think it's interesting that it says they brought up the ark and the tenth of meeting. So, what did they do with the tenth of meeting? That's a good question. <laughs>
0: That's a very no, good question. That's like in other words okay so
1: you're going to bring up the tent what, what, what do you, where's, where where is where is that
0: in there? I don't see so that So I can anywhere. tell you what tradition says which what is, is the that tradition they, they buried it in, under the temple. Yeah. Okay. They hid it under the temple. That that you know, and some people will tell you you know it's very gay it's you know hidden there under the temple, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but we don't know that for sure. Um it's interesting though. Like w- wait a minute. Back up here. According to one version of the story the the you know when Shilo is Uh, After the battle of Afek and the Canaanites, uh, or not the Canaanites, sorry, the Philistines are coming. um, You know, in Eli, he's the high priest. He falls back and breaks his neck. And then it's like, you know, fade to black. It's gone. And then later on, we hear about how God abandoned the tabernacle of Shiloh. And it kind of implies, that's in Jeremiah, that it was destroyed, that the tabernacle was destroyed. And then all of a sudden, wait a minute, there's a tabernacle here. and Mm -hmm. Wait, so it wasn't destroyed. Destroyed, you know, mm. or maybe it was rebuilt. I don't know. It's yeah. the, there's some confusion yeah. There's a, there's a, yeah. there's a couple
1: times where we hear that show, showing up where, where where this tent was, whether it was yeah. a different place or it was the same. tent. And by the way,
0: well, does your say tabernacle or does it uh, say tent of meeting? The tent and the priest brought them up, and the priest took up the ark uh, in the tent. Well, it literally says and in, in the and in the. And they brought up the Ark of Jehovah and the Tent of Meeting and all the holy vessels which were in the tent. Um, and the Levitical priests, uh, the, the priests and the Levites brought them up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they brought them up. And why did they bring, why they bring them up? Why didn't they bring them down into the valley? You know, there's this new theory out there. Oh, boy, it's Don't really hot. No, that get... the true temple was, was right above the Gihon Spring down in the city of David. Well, wait a minute. So, why would they then bring it up? And and for those who don't know the geography, we've got this kind of uh, we have the peak. Peak is is, is a confusing word because you'll think of like you know the Rockies. Are you going to really we, describe it because you're going to make me want to go over there today? We have we have the top of the mountain, <laughs> and then it slopes down. Yes, and then down uh, uh, on the slope is along the whole slope is the city of David. Mm. But at the top of that uh, of that hill. Uh, hill is a better word. Um, is is what we call the Temple Mount, and some people have said, "Oh no, what you're calling the Temple Mount, that was a Roman fortress." And yeah. the real and the real temple was up above the Gihon Spring, which is in the city of David. And I asked myself, "Wait a minute, why do we repeatedly hear about bringing it up, raising it up, bringing it from the city of David, bringing it from Zion, up?" Well, no. Wait a minute. If it's bringing it from Zion, then you'd bring it down. If it's where they say, exactly. But based on the geography that most people accept, the Temple Mount is geographically above. I mean, Would you, you know, confusing. You walk, you walk what? up that, you know, and, and if you're out of shape, you're, you're going to be panting. It's, it's, yeah. you're walking up. Yeah, I understand. You know. up. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, so they brought it. Up, they brought it up. Um, and, and again, eight five is interesting. It says they, they were they were before the Ark, sacrificing so many sheep and oxen that they could not be counted or numbered mm-hmm. however many there were I mean tens of thousands who knows I don't know yeah. we it doesn't don't know. say yeah. uh, they brought the Ark of the Covenant Lord, to its place and what's its place and then in English it says here into the inter, inner sanctuary
0: I believe the word no, that's the word is the Devir the that's the yes. word we've talked about related to the word dvorah meaning yeah. be mm-hmm. um, it's the inner sanctuary should that be the word of the week devir uh, I like it or you got another word uh, I think that's been the word of the week
1: we, we've used that before
0: yeah so okay. I'm going to save it
1: for something else okay we got awesome. a lot. Yeah. To the most holy place, under the wings of the cherubim. Okay? Mm-hmm. They spread their wings over the place, the ark, and the cherubim made a covering over the ark and its poles from above. But the poles were so long. Now, this is a phrase I want you to ask. it. Uh, this is a, a, a phrase that's a different interpretation. Were the poles so long? What verse are you in? Verse 8. Okay. But the poles were so long that the ends of the poles could be seen from the holy place before the inner sanctuary. But they could not be seen outside. They are there to this day. And I like that phrase. They are there to this day. Ad <laughs> till Until ah, this very day. Yeah, I mean, when this is being written, can yeah. you imagine, though? I mean, I guess, this, this, that phrase just brings me back to, to, to the, the actual book being written. In other words,
0: they're writing about it, writing about it, and they're saying, and they're there to this day. Well, that, that's really significant. You know, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that, I, you know, really in Hebrew University, when I studied people talk that we talked about in scholarship is, Um, You know, we'd say, we're not just going to look at the the book, we're going to look at the sources of the book as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes they went too far and they made up sources. But here we clearly can see the sources of the book. Today we have a single book in Hebrew called the Book of Kings. Now in English it's one kings and two kings. But in Hebrew it's a single book, which means it was originally a a single scroll. But even in the printed Bible it's one book. Mm -hmm. Um, But what we're getting here a a glimpse of in verse 8 is the source, a source. And in that source, Mm -hmm. because the final book ends... With, after the destruction of the temple in the time of King Jeconiah, mm-hmm. Jehoiachin, when he's raised up, I don't I remember, it was in the 30, 50 or something like mm-hmm. that, of Jeconiah, he's raised out of prison uh, in Babylon. And it's like this mini happy ending that, you know, the king is still a prisoner in Babylon, but he's not doing that badly in prison. He's like, you know, <laughs> like, really? That's, and that's the end of the book. Which is amazing to me because then we pop over to Chronicles and we've got the whole situation where it ends with the, 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 the decree of Cyrus where the Israelites mm-hmm. are allowed to come back. And, and you get the clear image. There's no question, I think, in anybody's mind that the book of Kings was obviously written before the decree of Cyrus. Mm-hmm. Because if, it, if that had happened, it would have been mentioned. Absolutely. Um, like, In other words, you know, that's the happy ending of the story. You know, in Hollywood, you always have the happy ending. The happy ending of the story of the book of Chronicles is, well, they're, they're called to come back by Cyrus and allowed to come back out of exile. And, and in Kings, the, the author of Kings doesn't know that that, that happened yet because it hasn't happened yet. Um, but anyway, we come here and we read, wait a minute, until this very day. But at the end of Kings, the, the temple was destroyed. So it 's not until this very day when kings was finalized, but it is to this very day for the source for the source and that 's really interesting. This may have even been the Canaanite source, that Canaanite source that um, that you know described what the temple looked like, which mentioned the month of eight Tanim, and then the prophet comes along and says, okay i 'm going to take that source and you know and, and tell just, you that 's what it is and, but t- this is what and it tell means, you what's yes. important yes. and tell you the the spiritual message of it mm-hmm. um, and I think the spiritual message here is in verse n- uh, nine, yes. Well, can we verse nine? I, I mean, I don't.
1: I, I've always thought about this verse yeah. when I've read it, and I always think there's confusion. Okay. And the reason I say there's confusion is I'm like, wait, there's a different part where I heard something. So let me read the verse first of all yeah. in English. Then there was nothing in the ark except the two tablets of stone which Moses put there at Horeb, where the Lord made a covenant with the sons of Israel when they came out of the land of it. Stop right there. What do you mean? What happened to the what? What happened to the uh, the manna? Was was the manna not in the uh, in, in in the ark or was it beside the ark? Evidently it, was, it wasn't in the ark. You know. <laughs> it clearly says.
0: Alright. So there's two verses. Yes. One is uh or two passages. One is Exodus sixteen, thirty two to thirty-four, yep. and that tells us that the mana was Before Yehovah. Before Yehovah. And the other is Numbers 1725, which tells us that Aaron's rod was before the testimony. Well, what's the testimony? Mm. We have this full phrase, which is the Ark of the Testimony of Yehovah. Why is it called that? Because Moses actually heard the voice of Yehovah coming from between the cherubs. Yes. Uh, And so it's called the testimony because Yehovah is testifying to him. Um, So we've got these two things that are in the presence of Yehovah or in the presence of the Ark Mm. of Yehovah. Um, so, you know, the manna being before Yehovah is understood, I think rightfully so that it's before the ark, um, when the ark is later made, um, or maybe it was even made at that time. Um, so, uh... Yeah, and what your confusion comes is from the Book of well, he- no, my confusion, Hebrews. Confusion is, is not right?
1: only that I was in uh, I was in I was in the desert with you and Oh yeah, that's right. We were in the desert, and we went to uh, Solomon's. And, copper And I'll mines. post
0: that photo if I remember on the uh, page. Okay, I'll leave thank a photo you. Of it, That'd yeah. be
1: awesome. So we were at the uh, we were in the desert, and we were at the Solomon's uh, copper mines. Which, by the way, we actually went into those places and saw. The, uh, that's amazing. He can just pull up, pull up the picture. I'm looking You're right here at, the at this photo picture that I took <laughs> when I was
0: with you. And, <laughs> so, uh, so folks, yeah.
1: we're, we're, we're down there at Solomon's Copper Mines for a couple of other reasons. Uh, but one of the things this we, place we, called we, Timna Yeah, Timna. We did go, there's a, there's a model of the, uh, the, uh tabernacle. Of the tabernacle. And, um, and, and so we, we went in there and I was very thankful that you were willing to, uh, to go with me. There's a tour guide and they, and they, they, they tend to talk about it from the perspective, if,
0: correct me if I'm wrong as if you're reading the book of Hebrews. Well, so so, so it's a very unusual thing because Timnah is an, one of Israel's national parks. But in the middle of the national park, there's a separate... Place that you pay a separate entry fee to, mm-hmm. and it's run by Christian missionaries. Mm-hmm. And that's extremely unusual in Israel. That the state of Israel would, would give a platform for Christian missionaries. I don't know of any other example of that anywhere in Israel. Mm-hmm. And and the Christian missionaries set up this uh, model of the Ark, and they actually ask you a question when they're going to give you the tour. They say, "Are you Jews or Christians?" And if you say you're a Jew, they don't. And I've done this actually. They don't say a word about. The New Testament or Jesus. And mm-hmm. that's because they're, you know, they, they don't want to, um, in Israel's very sensitive mm-hmm. missionizing to Jews. But if you say, oh, you know, I'm Christian or I'm Messianic or something, and, I've, and I know because I'm not Christian or Messianic, but I've been with Christians and Messianics. And then I hear the other side of the story, and then they present it, and they'll say, you know, here is the red in the tabernacle, and that represents the blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here is the blue in the tabernacle, and that represents the, the cloak of uh, the royal cloak of, of Jesus, and, you know, yeah. the, so everything becomes a symbol for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, one of the things you see going into the, their model of the tabernacle is they've got the Ark of the Covenant. Obviously, it's you know made of like styrofoam and you know gold mm-hmm. paint, but whatever, it's it's really nice. Um, and you and it's got the two cherubim over it, and you can slide it open, and your face doesn't melt like in the movie with Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see inside is is the is the two tablets of stone, and you see the rod of Aaron, and you see the the bowl of manna right there in, inside in the, ark. In the inside model the of the ark. ark. Mm-hmm. And you've got to wonder, do they even know this verse that we just read? Like we just read a verse that says there was nothing in the ark except the two tablets of stone, which Moses, Moses the placed there at Chorev. Uh, and they're setting up a model and they're basing it on Hebrews chapter 9 verse 4 which says which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant or the tablets of the covenant the tablets Mm -hmm. of stone so in Hebrews 9 4 there's three things in there um, at least according to the way it's normally read so uh, yeah, as opposed to in um, the verse we just read in verse nine, which you know in, in one Kings eight nine, where there's only two, there's only the, the two tablets of stone, um, and not this rod of Aaron and the and the mm-hmm. pot of manna. They mm-hmm. have it a golden pot. In I heat. think, and, and of, the, I think what's interesting golden. about yeah. it though is
1: that is that how when you're reading earlier and you hear about the uh, the, the, the the staff of the uh, yeah. the budding staff of yeah. Aaron and the manna, you can quote unquote
0: assume. When he says "before," they could just right. assume that that means that it was in, right? And so, so if there was someone who, what you're really saying, can, can we say it? Yeah. Is that if someone who read the Torah and hadn't read the second book of Kings, or, or sorry, the first book of Kings, um, or the book of Kings in Hebrew, mm-hmm. they might think that the rod of Aaron, exactly, and, the, and now, now, now my confession, and the bowl was was in the ark and not in can I next make my, to the ark. My confession. Sure. So
1: my confession is that if uh, before getting anywhere else and just reading it through the first time. When I hear about that, I'm thinking, is there an inconsistency? And I'm thinking during the moving, there was a moving, moving problem, maybe when, during during uh, uh, Josiah where they had some confusion. <laughs> Seriously? And they, no, no, I'm telling you, I'm oh. thinking, no, somebody lost the, the no, somebody went in there and took it, took, you know, who knows uh, what happened. So that w- what was confusing for me was what happened to it. You know, it, it, what, at some point it was physically next to. Uh, the ark, and
0: then at some point, and they said, "Where do we put this?" I'll stick it in the box. Is that what you're trying to tell me?
1: <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> it don't. could be. Look, yeah. it's possible that yeah. at the time that. And look, this this is the type of you know explanation that apologists will come up with, yeah, yeah. and they'll say yes. In the time that One Kings Eight was written, it was next to it. But later, when Josiah was renovating, they put it uh, inside. They, they put it inside, and Hebrews an is referring to that later. Right. Uh, I've never heard that before, but it's very clever. Yeah. I would offer a different explanation. And look, some people will take this and they'll say, all right, we're going to use this, so we're going to hit yeah. the Christians over the head with right, this. right, right, and say the Book of Hebrews is full of lies. This is what they'll do. I want to offer another explanation. Um, and it's possible that the book of Hebrews is wrong. As, as a Karaite Jew, I, I, that's, if you want to say that, that, that's fine. That's entirely an acceptable explanation. Not, you know, For me, it's not scripture. But I, I tend to think that the author of Hebrews wasn't a complete idiot. And if that's the case, I, I just want to – one of the things I always emphasize in reading the Tanakh is to look at the context. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's disingenuous to then, when you talk to – I'm speaking to the Jews here – to go talk to a Christian and then ignore the context when looking at his book. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, because it helps your argument. So let's look. Can we read Hebrews 9? Please. Okay, Hebrews 9, verse 3. And and the other thing about Hebrews, just the overall context, this is my opinion. Don't be offended by this Christian people and messianics. Hebrews presents itself as an allegory. And part of an allegory is not everything should be taken literally in an allegory. Um, when we read that Judah, is, and this is an allegory in the Torah, that Judah is a lion and he roars and he rips up his prey, I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't then say, oh, well, if Judah's a lion, he's actually a lion and, and he does everything a lion does. He, mm-hmm. you know, goes and poops in the street like a lion, like, mm-hmm. no, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Let's not push an allegory too far. Not every element fits in the allegory. Um And, um, Hebrews nine, verse three, it says, and after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, um, and what it's talking here is the holy of holies, the Kodesh Kodeshim, verse four, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant and over it, the cherubims of gold shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak particularly. So in those three verses, nine, three to four, five in, in Hebrew, you know, in Hebrews, um, uh, there's two ways of reading it. One is that there was um, this ark, and inside the ark, there were these three things. And that's obviously how the Christian missionaries at Park Timna in southern Israel set it up. Mm-hmm. Or what I think probably they meant is that there's this thing, the holiest of holies, the Devir. And in the Devir, there are um, one, two, three, four, whatever, a bunch of things. There's the golden censer. That's the whole question about the golden censer. But anyway, um, uh, that inside this area is the Ark of the Covenant and the golden pot of Mana and the rod uh, of Aaron. Um, and not that they're in the, and the tables of the covenant, the ta- two tablets of stone. And not necessarily that they're in the Ark, but that they're in the holiest of place in the tabernacle.
1: Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about what you're yeah. saying, Nehemiah, is that the interpretation that I brought up as far as us seeing that inside the Ark and that in Timna, yeah. that's them saying, we're going to take that, further they're not they're not thinking of any other option the option is it's right. got to be inside it's got to be inside
0: the ark right yeah anyway and i don't know which one it is to me all you know what's important is verse 9 and what's verse 9 about verse 9 is not about hitting christians over the head that's not what mm. what uh, but but actually i think it is about hitting somebody over the head mm. can i say that please and who is it about when this was written by the prophet who wrote the book of kings what he wanted you to know is that ark of the covenant which we say is called by the name of jehovah it doesn't have an idol in it because they lived in a world of idolatry. Mm. And the thought was, we've got this secret thing we're not allowed to see. It's inside. It's in this you know secret hidden room. And there must be a statue in there. Mm-hmm. Because we can see this God has power. And we know that there's power in statues and idols mm-hmm. and, and you know images. And the point was, guess what? There was no statue in there. All there was was um, the only thing in there were the two tablets of stone with the word of Jehovah on them. And um, and the commandments of Jehovah. Meaning, and, say, and, that, and that's the significance. And temptation. I say, what else do we need? <laughs> Amen. In other words, I mean,
1: I think that's what's so amazing. And I I've been I've been mesmerized by this for the last couple of years um, regarding uh, the many the many theories that there's been about the Ark and all of that sort of thing. But what I think about it when I read this verse is the power of the fact that God did create these two stones. Yeah. With what I mean by create, Moses cut them out. He put on there those those ten words. What you call the ten matters, and those and that and that, that word is still good today. And I have no problem with it in still having the ark in that very same spot because of the testimony. And I think that there are even those false those other religions that that uh, that argue whether it's uh, the the oxa or whatever that many of them oh. even you know even many of them. Know the significance of that place being a place where God has placed his name forever and they understand forever being forever. And they're fighting tooth and nail to make sure that no one else acknowledges that. So for me, it's really been a, a long process and it's going to be a process that I'm going to stay in to try to help people understand the significance of this verse. Nehemiah. Not only this verse about what's in the ark, but the significance of a house being built for the ark, quote unquote, for his name, and for the name of Yehovah, yeah, for the name Yehovah, yeah. So, and again, I, I, I think Scripture shows us that it, the ark, which was called by the name, him saying, you know, being brought into in, into the presence, and what Solomon built, and what it was built for. I have no problem with uh, forever being forever that that uh, his name is still there. And as
0: a result, mm-hmm. we, you and I, whether we go there I would see, say on the contrary, I have yeah. a problem with forever not being forever. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> if
0: forever is not forever, like, I, then what does it all mean? I love it.
1: All right, so it says here it happened that when the priest came. Uh, basically, this is what's inside. It says it happened that when the priest came from the devir, the, the holy place. I'm no, sorry. this is Minakodesh. No, the
0: Minakodesh. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. So that's the outer uh, sanctuary. So, the outer sanctuary. So we've got three sections. We've got the, the courtyard, the holy, no, and the holy of holies. holies. Um, and the De'vir is the Holy of Holies. Mm-hmm. So this is the, the middle section. They came yeah. from the middle section. And why is that? Because only the high priest on Yom Kippur goes into the Holy of Holies. Oh, Holy of Holies. Yes, yes. Yeah. So that when he uh, came from there, the cloud
1: filled the house of <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Yehovah. Amen. So that the priest could not stand and minister because of the cloud. And wh- Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, no, hold on.
0: Were these priests Christians? What are you talking about? Because they're in ministry. They're ministering. <laughs> no, we <laughs> talked about that. I've had people say, Nehemia, you have a ministry. That means you're a Christian. Well, wait a minute. It's that's a- actually the word in Hebrew. I, I explained that it, well, the Hebrew for ministry is l'sharit mm-hmm. ba-kodesh" to serve, to minister in the holy. And that's exactly the word here in verse 11, l'sharit, l'sharit, to serve, to minister that's a correct translation, minister, mm-hmm. um, and they're ministering before the cloud, before Jehovah. Yeah, before the glory of Jehovah filled Amen. the house. And then Solomon said these words: Jehovah has said
1: that he would dwell in the thick cloud. Now I'm just going to do something really yeah. quick here. Yeah. Uh, when he says that Jehovah has said that, I went through it. I was just looking through, and I and I, I really apologize again to ask ask you to do this, Nehemiah. I don't have my all my stuff with me. Half of it's in my suitcase. Yeah, uh, but when he says. Yehovah has said that he would, and it says, dwell in the thick cloud. Yeah. I, I want to know if you'd be willing to uh, let us know what that word is, thick cloud. Yeah, and that could be the word of the week. Awesome. Can
0: so, you share it? Yeah. yeah. So the word there is arafel. <clears throat> now, in modern Hebrew, this is important to know, we've got biblical Hebrew, and modern Hebrew, yeah. and a lot of things changed, uh, especially in the meaning of words and in syntax and grammar. Um, so one of the meanings, in modern Hebrew, arafel means fog. Mm -hmm. Um, Like regular, you know, fog and Mm -hmm. meteorological, like you'll watch the, you know, the the weather report and it'll say there will be arafel fog. But in biblical Hebrew, arafel is roughly translated as thick darkness. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's it's a very, it's an unusual word. So for example, Exodus 20 verse 21 is the Ten Commandments. And it says, and the people stood from afar and Moses uh, went close, went uh, forward, went close, to mm-hmm. the Arafel uh-huh. A-shel shamha Elohim, uh, which, which there was God so God was there in this Arafel mm-hmm. what is this Arafel? Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 11 it says um, and you came close and you stood under the mountain and the mountain was burning with fire until the, the heart of heaven was uh, was dark and cloud and Arafel mm-hmm. so Arafel is something specifically that we're seeing in the context of the revelation at Sinai twice mm-hmm. two witnesses were the revelation of Sinai um, Deuteronomy five twenty two um, these things which uh, uh, these things Jehovah spoke uh, to all your congregation in the fire uh, in the mountain from the midst of the fire the cloud and the RFL, a great voice uh, etc um, so we've got again the ten, the ten commandments R F L um, and and then it's two Samuel twenty two ten it says uh, and he stretched out heaven and he went down and there was R F L under his feet. Mm-hmm. Um so here we're we're having this this I think we'll get to that section 2 yep. 2722. Um so we've got this vision of God and there's RFL under his feet. He's standing on this RFL. And then there's this, David described that's David describing the appearance of God. And then again we have it in uh Psalm 99 verse 2 where it says Anan svivav there is cloud and RFL around him. Um yes. and it says uh, righteousness and judgment are the 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 foundation of his of his throne. Yes. So here's describing again the vision of God sitting on a throne and he's surrounded by a cloud in RFL. So much so that RFL in in Jewish mystical writings, it has this mystical meaning. It's like some supernatural, you know, angelic mm-hmm. force. I, I'm not saying that. But there's definitely this is a term that seems very Closely tied in mm-hmm. to um, to describing this this vision of God, mm-hmm. there's something up there in the heavenly court that has to do with RFL and we 're seeing the glory of jehovah we're seeing RFL and that 's what happened here um, you know Solomon sees the cloud and the cloud comes out and it covers everything and um, and he says yehovah said to dwell in the RFL he yeah. Now tell us about the word. Why has it got four four letters? That's a really good question. <laughs> so one of the th- principles we said is that every word in the Hebrew language is based on three, three letters, letters. And there is a category of exceptions. And nobody really knows why. But the category of exceptions are words that end with Lamed. Mm-hmm. So we have a whole bunch of words. Um, this is a complicated topic, but basically it's a root with four letters. We have Carmel. We talked, I think last mm-hmm. week it yep. was. Um, it was actually a couple hours ago, guys. <laughs> um, but last week in the program, we talked about Mount Carmel, which is a four-letter word: chaf yep. resh mem lamid. Um, again, we've got that lamid, which is almost like this extra letter. Mm-hmm. And in that case, we would have to say the root is I and Resh Pei, mm-hmm. um, which what does that mean? It means mm-hmm. actually the back of the neck. Exactly. And what happens when you add Lamed to the back of the neck? It means this thick darkness. Why that is, I couldn't tell you. I don't know that anybody could tell you. But we've got, got a bunch a really, of words. I've got you, a really deep. you got a deep North explanation. A oh, let's hear it. You've got to pay for it, though. Okay. <laughs> 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 <It's> 1995. <laughs> I'm just
1: kidding, no. When I, when I was looking yeah. at this, you Nirmia, know mean? one of the things that I was asking was, as I, I said, there's these four letters. I said, okay, so what's the root? And looking at the issue of the neck, and it, and and what was what kind of hit me was was um, the the placement also of where this arc is. You know, some people talk about um, the the parts of the body, um, talking about the parts of the body being you know representative of God's heart, not the God's physical heart, God's head, God's neck, God's shoulders, katef where where these things are and it's funny i was doing some uh, reading about that and i thought wow what does it mean that this is uh that this is dwelling in the the place that's like the name of the neck what what is physically what is physically there the ark physically there what does that what does it physically represent like god's word god's uh, god's heart god's mind what he's thinking about you know you can't you can't go too far but i just thought about that and i thought wonder what what the connection is with the fact that there's a, the neck, and then of course this thick darkness. So I don't know what it is, but I did think that was kind of interesting. I got no clue what you're talking yeah, about. That's okay. I'm, I'm too much of a
0: literalist. <laughs> I no idea what you're talking about. This <laughs> well, is for the deeper things. Okay. us <laughs> yes. like Deeper teaching. Yes. All right. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah.
1: So anyway, it says that this is where he's going to dwell in the thick cloud. I have surely built uh, for you a lofty, and he uses the word in English here, a lofty mm. house. A place uh, for your dwelling for just a couple thousand years. No, it says for your dwelling Until a new dispensation would come along. Forever? Yeah, that's what it says. Forever. So even now. For even now. Okay. And that's why I say, you know, we talk about his his name being set there forever. uh, Physically, uh, practically, spiritually, um, that his name is still there.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And, And people say, well, no, 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 no. Because now you got the, you know... The the foundation of that place with the Golden Temple and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's not there. I think, you know, we have to find out where it changed. where did it, Where is his name not there anymore? Mm-hmm. so Yeah.
0: Is, that, is there a verse for that? Uh, there are many verses. <laughs> that is. <laughs> if you could help me find it, it would be great. I'm sitting You're here. right. <laughs> <laughs> no, the verses, I, I mean that where it says that's not his. Oh, where it's not. No, <laughs> no, no, not where it <laughs> no, where it is.
1: No, where it is, no. Okay. I name is
0: still there. Okay. So um, it says
1: here... Um, and, and let me shall I, shall I continue to read here, please? okay, Then the king faced about and blessed all the assembly of Israel while all the assembly of Israel was standing, and he said, "Blessed be Jehovah the God of Israel, who spoke with his mouth to my Father David and has fulfilled it with his hand, saying, "Since the day that I brought my people Israel from Egypt, I did not choose a city out of all the tribes of Israel in which to build a house that my name might be there, but I chose David to be over my people Israel." Now it was in the heart of my father David to build a house for the name Yehovah, the God of Israel. And again, connecting, mm-hmm. building for the name. In other words, it's not just like, how can I say it? Uh, it's not like building a house and just putting physically yod vav the name there, but who he is, his essence of who he is, that this place would be built representing um, everything that he is um, as we're able to understand it. So. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he did not choose the city of all those for to build a house for them. But the Lord said to my father, David, because it was in your heart to build a house for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. Nevertheless, you shall not build the house, but your son who will be born to you, he will build the house for my name. And again, we see this over and over again. For my name. That's being built for my
0: name. The house for my name. The name. It's almost like God... that. The author of Kings is just, you know, he, he's one of these sacred namers. He's like a sacred name. He's obsessed with he's the obsessed name. He's obsessed with the name. <laughs> Why does he have to keep talking about this name? It's yeah. like, this is causing division. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's what
1: he says. He and it's interesting. I,
0: I mean, I count here just off the top of my head. one, two, three, four, five, five different times, or four times it talks about uh, for my name to be there. To build a house for the name of Yehovah. He will build a house for my name the house for the name of Jehovah, I mean, it's four times there. The house and, for the name Jehovah the I God mean, of Israel. I mean, how many times is this? Over and over mm-hmm. and over again. Mm-hmm. And um, in verse 20, it says, and He established uh, his word, which he spoke. Um, and I rose up un- uh, in place of David, my father, and I sat upon the throne of Israel as Jehovah spoke, and I built a house for the name of Jehovah, the God of Israel. And I placed there, um, uh, and I made there a place for the ark. uh Shem Blit Yehovah. W- which there was the covenant of Jehovah, referring mm-hmm. to the the, tab- the the tablets of stone, which he made with our fathers when he took us out from the land of Egypt, Amen. Amen. and that is the end of the prophets portion. Now, before before
1: we continue, I want to say, I want to do, yeah. I want to do a ministry minute here, yeah. um, because I'm sitting here, Nehemiah, and I'm reading this passage, and it's, it's it's kind of emotional for me because I I remember all those years ago to be sitting across from the place where he caused his name to dwell. And me asking you the question about if you knew anything about the name Yehovah, and you asked if I had a piece piece of paper and pencil. And as a result of that one question and that answer led me on an entire journey also uh, to below the temple, where I saw those huge stones, and and that's where the vision for BFA came, the idea of having a, a biblical foundation for your faith. And so as a result of that, you know, we talk about sharing the information about God's time, God's Torah, God's tetragrammaton, his name, but again, when I think about um, the fact that he placed his name there, and I'm sitting across, and I don't even know this at the time, by the way, because my background says it's not important what's happening with the Temple Mount. Who cares about that? That's where the Islam is. In other words, you're,
0: we're, we're sitting across the Temple Mount, and to you that's just some archaeological well, What are you stuff. talking about? There's some wall <laughs> where some
1: people are praying. I don't know anything about it. I don't know anything about what the significance of that is until I open the Bible and start reading in it, its language, history, and context. Come to find out, when I'm across from that place, asking you that question, Mm -hmm. I'm literally across from the place where his name is placed. And since then, it's been mesmerizing (laughs) to me. And so much of the ministry has been built around helping people encounter God's time, God's Torah and God's name. But all of these things give you a chance to really interact with scripture. And, And again, from my perspective, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, what does that have to do with me? What does that What does that have to do? Come to find out it's got everything to do with it. Solomon, after he builds the temple, I know we're not talking about this section. He talked about me coming, the foreigner who would come and pray toward that place, and that would father would hear my prayer and answer it and I mean i just I just have to tell you, you know for me, um I'm sitting here today, I'm humbled to be here today, but the fact is that we're opening up the Word of God and we're talking about it. we're sharing it, and it all came from this encounter. Literally,
0: being across the place. you just brought that up. You can't just throw that out there. And oh. so, so what we didn't get to in the prophet's portion, because it's not in the portion, is, um, is the prayer of Solomon. Exactly. And the prayer of Solomon for this, exa- like it's a few verses later. Yeah, verse 41. Um, it says, uh, And also con- uh, to the, the Gentile that's the word that specifically is Gentile, who is not from your people Israel, and he shall come from a far lo- uh, far off land, liman shemecha, for the sake of your name. Ah. For they will hear your great name, yes. and your mighty uh, uh, hand, and your outstretched arm, and he will come to pray to this house. Mm. You will hear, uh, you will hear from the heavens, the place of your, your dwelling, etc., and do all according to that which uh, uh, he shall, the Gentile shall call to you, in order that all the nations of the the of the, of the earth will know your name. Mm-hmm. So it is. So according to Scripture. All the nations need so, to know your name and this is and why and you'll answer their prayer when they pray in your name wow and, and this is why this is why my brother and you want to skip this? this no
1: no not skip it this is why I'm talking about it what I'm saying is this is why and it my it says friend, to
0: fear you like your people Israel like your people and Israel. to know that your name is called upon this house which I have built and that's why and that's it? why my friend if I'm here in
1: Jerusalem I so while I'm working there's one guy I know I have to see it's my friend Yehuda Glick who says, who says that that place is still a place for prayer for all people yeah. and it becomes the place where they say that's the one thing you must not do. Wow. I must not pray there. He must not pray there. You must not pray there. No one can pray there except for the ones that are up there under the present authority of the, the Jordanian walk. Those are the only people that can pray, and I'm supposed to just sit by and not say anything about it? I'm going to say something about it. Can't you go it.
0: there no. and just pray in the name of Allah?
1: No, I'm going to go. <laughs> Why do you have to use the this, this, this name Let's, of this Hebrew here God? Here we go. Here we go. I mean, so, so basically all I'm saying is, you know, this is really significant. I cannot keep quiet about it. His name is there today, you know. And, of course, you you brought up a really touchy thing. You said, you know, we've changed the name. Instead of it being Beit Yehovah, Beit HaMikdash. Kind of a little separate, even though we're not really there, separate. Or, or it's so holy we can't
0: even say what we it's holy about. can't even say his
1: name. Is, you know? So, for me, this is really a big deal. And, again, I want to tell people, I, um, you know, I, I think that there's an opportunity for us to get, peel open the Word of God like we're doing. And find out what it says first. Understand what it says. Before we get to interpretation, whether it's inside the ark, outside the ark, you know, little gold plates or no gold plates, what does it say first? Gold plates. You know, I'm talking about That's what are Mormonism. About. What are you talking about? No, 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 about? The gold, no. The little thing, the little gold thing that we saw in the uh, Timna. They had the little gold sensors. It's thing. the stone plate. No, no, they had the stone. And the, the gold, gold bowl. <laughs> <It's> not <laughs> gold, gold bowl. plates. Okay. What are you talking about? I'm sorry, folks. Look, it's been a yeah. long trip. <laughs> but really, anyway, that's all I have to say is that this has been, been a, an amazing an amazing thing to have all these years later. We're still teaching the yeah. Word of God and giving people a chance yeah. to interact with it for themselves.
0: And, and you know, this is really what, what, you know, reading verses like we just read here, and I know it's not in the prophets portion, but we just read these these three verses, 1 Kings eight forty one to 43, where it's talking about the Gentile coming. And then, you know, I, in my ministry, McCor Hebrew Foundation, what I want to do is empower people with information. And, I, and for me, the image is, you know, um, uh, the wall that Nehemiah built. I'm named after Nehemiah, and he came and he built the wall. And one person said to me, "Oh, wall, that, that's to create divisions between us." No, on the contrary, you know what I think of with the wall, and I think of the story of Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't to create division; it was so you could defend yourself, and then you can stand up proud mm-hmm. and interact with your fellow. But first, you've got to have that wall that 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 you know you've got to build the wall and, and have your, um, you know, your structure. And and we and the and the image there is they're standing on the wall and they've got the guys with the shofars because the enemies are coming and they are building with one hand mm-hmm. and they've got the weapon in the other to defend themselves and um, I want to empower the people with information and and, I, and one of the major criticisms I face on a regular basis sometimes daily is what are you doing with these Gentiles what are you doing with people who don't think like you who don't believe like you who aren't of your same you know they're they're not in the box that we want to put you in mm. and and what I say is. I am walking out this fulfillment of scripture. It's talking here about people who will come and they'll, you know, grab hold of the Jew and they'll say, we've heard God's with you. And then it says, of course, in the prophet and he will push them away and say, go and go through the process of conversion. No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that, that, you know, we've got to make them, you know, jump through these hoops and uh, it's not what it's about. They, you know, the, what I, what I'm dealing with are people who are having a walk with God and they need information and they've heard that God is with us and we've preserved the oracles of God. and, and, And it's, our duty as Israel uh, to share that information with them and that's what my core Hebrew Foundation is about is getting people back to the sources empowering them with that information so they can have that walk of God and own that information for themselves uh, and they can, they can build the, you know, build the wall themselves um, and um, you know, so that's what I do on my website on uh, com. I got a weekly newsletter where I send out information of all kinds information about the calendar information about new teachings um, and uh, you know, I want to people, encourage people to go to Nehemyeswall dot and sign up for the free newsletter. And don't forget to sign up for uh, the Nehemyes Wall podcast. You can do that on iTunes or your favorite podcast app, mm-hmm. and get the um, the teachings that are coming out and empower yourself with the information. That's what it's really about.
1: Awesome. Well, I'm gonna I'm actually gonna pray uh, at the end of, of this. But you Let know, it's really show. interesting, uh, Nehemia. Uh, you know, we we wrote a book together um, called "A Prayer to Our Father: Hebrew Origins of the Lord's Prayer." And where we got a lot of controversy before we started writing that book, yeah. people said to me, how can you um, write about such a significant prayer from such a significant person with a person who doesn't believe and think and act uh, like you? And you had people also come and say to you, mm-hmm. how can you be working with this guy? And I think everybody um, would, would, would would agree. And I, I know that this has been for me my appreciation for w- what I didn't know um, in terms of language, history and context Um, Has just gone to a completely different level. Um, The fact that I the fact that I can actually open up those words and think about that prayer in its original language, history and context and how it's connected to what we just wrote, what we're we're studying in the Torah, the study uh, studying in the prophets like this stuff now is like it's like it's I don't even know how to put it. It's like multi-level dimensions of excitement that I have now. And I want people to have the access to that information. And you know what? It's a really sad thing. A lot of times the people that I've built, dealt with in the past, they, they have some of the inspiration, but they don't, they don't want to deal with the information. You know, the information isn't as, uh you know, it isn't as, uh how can I use the word? Inspirational. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That means yeah, they don't gonna, really understand it. Caught up, yeah, <laughs> caught,
1: yeah, caught up with it. But um, we're going to do some things. I want to announce some things, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, in Nehemia, from Israel oh, yeah. um, that are awesome. going to be they're going to be helpful for people in this. So
0: I want to say a prayer. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we close? No, wonderful. I- okay. I'm so excited because you just got on a plane less than 24 hours, mm-hmm. and you just got off of a plane less than 24 hours ago, landing here in the land of Israel. You're now in the city of Jerusalem, and you're going to actually fulfill a prophecy that, that mm-hmm. was... R- Spoken uh, by Solomon in his prayer, uh, what is it now? Three thousand years ago. Three thousand years ago. You're actually three thousand years later. Going to pray in the name of Jehovah in this land, in this place, just like he spoke. I've got chills. Amen. I'm excited about this. Can you pray? Amen. Father, thank you so much for an opportunity. Jehovah, uh, we
1: give you praise, glory, and honor for. The way that you've worked out circumstances, the way that you've uh, been maestro once again, that you've brought us into this place, and we didn't have any idea that we would be in the land of the prophets, uh, recording this. You knew, uh, you 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 knew before we even had any concept of it. Now we're here. So in humility, thank you for the fact that we can look toward that place where you placed your name. We can pray toward that place, um, not to make it as something that's that's not of you, but rather as something that reminds us the just of who you are, uh, Yehovah, You 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 were, you are, and you shall be in our life. Now as we lift our hands and our hearts towards you, we just ask that you would intervene on behalf of those that are listening, that all of us would desire to understand your word better in its original language, history, and context so that we can know what it means to live your word out, to love you with our entire heart, soul, and our mind, and and to love our neighbor as ourselves. So um, bless us, protect us, and keep us, and we'll continue to give you all the praise, glory, and honor Yehovah. In your name, Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to Profit Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson. For more information, please visit NehemiahsWall.com and BFAInternational.com.